I'm going to read this couple of stories to you. They're really short, but they're I think they're kind of funny anyway. Um, this this guy. Here's the headline uh, for this story. Um, book book returned to Ohio library after 60 years. So this was 60 years overdue book, and this is what the story says. Uh, this is in Toledo, Ohio. Anybody here from Ohio? Anybody ever been to Toledo, Ohio? No? Okay. Not a very big city. It says, a book has been mailed back to an Ohio library after six decades, accompanied by an anonymous letter of remorse. Okay. The biography, the book was the biography of Napoleon by... Emil Ludwig, or if you're German, Ludwig. Uh, it recently arrived at Toledo's main library with a brief note that read, quote, I removed this book from your stacks in 1949 and did not check it out. I apologize. It's an excellent book and in good condition. And it says, the person who signed it also wrote, quote, carrying guilt for 60 years is a terrible thing. Okay? I'm sorry, but I would not feel guilty at all about that. Would, would you guys? I would not feel guilty at all. Um, I, I would have just kept it, I think, at that point. Uh, so as to not indict myself as being so guilty. Um, but here's, here's what this library, the library spokeswoman says the package with its Beverly Hills, California postmark. You can't trust those California people. They steal library books. Uh, came as a shock. She says the holiday season may have moved the sender to right a long time wrong. That's, didn't that, didn't that just touch your heart? Make your heart melt. So the holiday season is is the spirit, I guess, got to this guy. And he, he couldn't live with the guilt anymore. What's so funny about that, though, if that's true, if the holiday spirit really got to this guy, that means for 59 years, he basically was a hardened, hearted man, you know. He didn't let Christmas get to him the other years, but this year it just kind of got to him, I guess. Um... All right, this one has to do with relationship stuff. Uh, I'm going to read two stories that are pretty funny. Okay. Woman supposedly pours grits on sleeping boyfriend. You know what grits are? Like the hot stuff you make for breakfast? All right. A 44-year-old woman was booked with second-degree battery after allegedly pouring a, a pot of boiling grits on her sleeping boyfriend. Wow. St. Charles Parish Sheriff's deputies said this woman, Carolyn Brown, caused second-degree burns on the man's face and arms. The man told deputies that he came home from work on November 7th, got into an argument with this woman, told her that he was breaking up with her, then he went to bed. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm not a genius. But you don't come home and say you're breaking up with someone, then you go to bed, like in the same house. 
this, this is that guy's fault. This guy should be charged for stupidity, not for... She shouldn't be charged for anything, I think, on that one. Okay, here's another one. This, I think, is the funniest one. Uh, okay, Florida woman accused of hitting man with raw steak. <laughs> okay, a 53-year-old was arrested after allegedly hitting a man in the head with a raw steak. <laughs> According to a Marion County Sheriff's Office report, the man told deputies that Elsie Egan, that's her name, repeatedly hit him with the uncooked meat and slapped his face after he refused a piece of sliced bread. <laughs> the man said he wanted a bread roll, not sliced bread. So that's why she hit him in the face. Egan, this woman, denied hitting the man with the stake, but did admit to slapping him, saying she did it, quote, so that he could learn. Okay? The, ma the man told deputies that Egan was his living girlfriend. He declined medical assistance. This woman, this woman was charged... This is what gets me, this last one. Okay, this woman was charged with abuse of a disabled adult. So he was disabled, and she's slapping him in the face with a raw piece of meat. Okay, according to online records, she has been released on 2,500 bond and is scheduled to appear in court, blah, blah, blah. It is unclear if she has an attorney. I'm going to bet that she doesn't have an attorney. Um, that's just my opinion, though. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. So you've got some, some relational stuff going on there down in Florida. Um, I'm not sure what to make of that. Uh, but basically, um, I'm going to grab some water here before we jump into this morning stuff because my, my voice is still kind of crazy, a little bit crazy from the, being sick. Okay. Now, I did tell you guys that my wife was going to join me this morning, and uh, once again, she was unable to do so this week. So, I'm just going to pretty much teach this morning. We're going to have some, a few discussion questions, but I'm going to try to get finished uh, in pretty short order so that we can uh, have this lunch and deal afterwards. Um, but we are doing a relationship series, and for anyone that is here that is new today, and uh, today is our second to the last week for this series. And what we are doing is we are encouraging you, if you have questions about relationships or about um, the opposite sex, uh, we would love to answer those questions. So you can text message those questions to the number on the screen. And we have compiled a bunch of those questions. We'll be answering those questions next week while you guys are eating your waffles and your breakfast burritos. We're going to be addressing some major questions. Uh, so it should be fun next week. Um, now, what we have been doing is we've been talking about the sins of men and the sins of women. And uh, today is going to be about the sins of women. Now, I know it's typically a talk where the guys go, I don't want to talk about the girls, you know. Gr it's funny because girls listen during the guy talk. Because girls are like, I want a man just like that. It's, that sounds so nice. And the guys are like, 
Who cares about the girls? I'm going to get on my phone and play, play a game. Okay? So, laughter says you're guilty. Laughter says you're guilty. All right? So I'm going to encourage you that you should also be interested in this morning because you will hopefully marry one of these, maybe not in the room, but you'll marry someone of the opposite gender eventually, once you grow up a little bit. Uh, so today are the sins of women, and um, I'm going to look over in that direction. I'll be seeing like, I'm sure cell phone lights going off, but just please, please pay attention here, unless you're texting a question, unless you're texting a question. But we discussed the sins of women. We've talked about the dramatic woman. We discussed that a couple weeks ago. We said this woman is chaotic. She is crazy, crazy drama. Um, everyone knows a dramatic woman. Someone comes to your mind. If no one comes to your mind, then you might be her. Okay? The dramatic woman. The shallow woman. This is the woman who, you know, is really just into fashion, really just into stuff, um, always just talking about real superficial things, uh, and there's not always a lot going on upstairs, okay? Really consumed by just stuff, and, and not really consumed with Jesus and relationship with other people. It's just all about herself, because okay, a shallow woman. We also have the good woman. The good woman. This is the woman who kind of flies under the radar. She's the one who um, seems to not have any issues. Everyone thinks she's so great and she's so good. But really beneath the surface, she is prideful. She is hypocritical. She's always trying to hide behind her facade of goodness. And people think she's great and really she struggles immensely with pride and self-righteous arrogance towards God. The good woman. And then today, we're going to kick things off with the deceitful woman. The deceitful woman. Now, this will be the one that uh, we spend probably the least amount of time on. We're going to get to the last two in just a little bit. But the deceitful woman. You know, I have heard so many girls especially that have just openly said things. I've overheard conversations with people where they'll just say things like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just tell my parents that, you know, I'm going over here when I'm really going over here. Or I'll just, I'll just, tell, I'll just tell that guy you know, a lie, basically. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. And so this girl, she lies to her parents. She lies to her boyfriend. She lies to her friends. Like, she will do whatever it takes to sort of cover up who she really is and what she's really doing. Okay? Now, I heard some people laugh. I probably convict some people in this room, I'm guessing. But, but no one trusts this girl. No one trusts her. You see, relationship is built on trust. Everyone agrees with that. But, but no one really can trust this girl. There are people that think they can, but then she lies to them one time, and then they learn that they can't trust this girl. The parents don't trust her. Boyfriend doesn't trust her. No one trusts this girl. No one trusts her. And so... In fact, I can think back on, on people that I knew in school. These, of course, were guys, but this, the same principle is still true. There was a guy that I was friends with in, uh, in junior high. And it's like the guy would just lie all the time about really stupid things. And you're just, I, w- I would sit there and go, why, are you even, why, why lie about that? That's just a dumb lie. But this is exactly what these people do. They tell lies even about stupid things because they're always trying to protect something. And as a result, no one trusts them. No one trusts them. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, 
uh, this is talking about Satan. It says, he, meaning Satan, has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan lies because at his core, he is a liar. At his core, Satan is a deceiver, so he, he tells lies. That's why he does the activity of lying, because at his core, that's who he is. You see, the culture that we live in today, people separate what they do from who they are. Here's how people think today. Okay, I'm really a good person, but I just told a little white lie. I'm really a good person. I care about people, but yeah, I mess up sometimes. But when you look at this verse, what it's saying is that, no, what you do is a reflection of who you are. You can't separate those things. You can't say, okay, I'm a good person who do, does some bad things. No, if you do some bad things, which is all of us, that means that you are in your core an evil and wicked person, just like me, before Christ. Before Christ. And so for this girl... And she tries to justify these things. And she tries to say, no, it's not really who I am. I just do it when I need to. I just do it because I had to in that situation. And you justify it. And you say things like, I just told a white lie. There is no such thing as a white lie. I mean, when you say that, that word, you're basically saying, okay, it, it was justified because of my greater mission of trying to protect myself or this other person or this other person. And so my, my sinful action was justified because of that. That is the excuse this girl uses all the time. And so at her core, Scripture here says, at, at your core, you lie because at your core you are a liar. You are a deceiver. And, and the biggest person this girl is deceiving is not other people, but herself. Because she has duped herself into thinking that she can get away with it, that what she's doing is not that bad. It's not a big deal. When you look at this verse, what jumps out to me is the fact that this is talking about Satan and, and how Satan himself is a liar and a deceiver. It even goes on to say that he is the father of lies. Now, catch what that means. That means that every lie that we tell on this earth was, in a sense, begotten by Satan. But in a sense, any lie that you and I tell on this earth really comes, is rooted in Satan and his kind of thinking, his kind of living. And so you could, you could say that lying is satanic. You could say, I could use that word. I could use the, the word lying is satanic. That, that at, at Satan's core, that is the main thing he is about, is deception and lying. You guys know that the first sin was based on a lie. The first sin took place because of a lie. Because Eve believed a lie, first of all. And then later on, her husband came to believe that same lie. And so as a result, all sin can be linked back to deception. And so for you to, for you to dupe yourself into thinking that, that your lying and your deceit is not wrong, is not sinful, the ends justify the means, you're just flat out wrong. You're flat out wrong. And I could even say that, that that kind of thinking is satanic. You are basically playing Satan's game. You're doing the very thing that, that caused the destruction of humanity and the very thing that caused humanity to fall into sin in the first place. 
And so the answer, so what's the answer for this girl? I know the, the easy answer might be, hey, just, just stop lying. Just stop telling lies. I'm sure that whenever her parents catch her in a lie, that's the conversation they typically have, is they just tell her, okay, can you just stop lying? I just want to be able to trust it. Can you just stop it? But when you think about the whole lying thing, you've got to go beyond just the activity of lying. We've got to think about it from an internal perspective. Because if someone is telling lies over and over and over again, the question that we have to ask is why? What is, what is motivating this person to tell all these lies? I always challenge people to think about the sin behind the sin. Because any sin that you struggle with, whether it's lying or whatever, there's always a sin that lurks behind that external sin. That's more deeply rooted that you don't really see. And so for the sin of lying, a possible sin that might be behind the sin of lying is this. Seeking the approval of others. So internally, you are displeased with who you are. You don't like who you are. And so you feel this need to protect yourself and to protect a certain image so others can think that you're a certain way when you're not. And so at your core, internally, what's happening is you are insecure, you are fearful of the truth about yourself and other people, and so you lie to cover up these things. And so really what's going on is that you're you're seeking the approval of other people instead of seeking your identity in Christ. That is the sin behind the sin for this girl. The next woman we're going to look at is the lustful woman. Everyone's like, oh great, here we go. Here we go. Um, we discussed the, uh, the lustful man a couple weeks ago, and some ladies might be thinking, okay, lustful woman... Um, I've never really heard anyone say that women are, are lustful. Well, I use that phrase because I wanted to kind of help you see how a woman's lust is different than a man's lust. Okay, we, we, we both struggle with it in certain ways, but here's the difference, okay? Many people think girls don't lust in the same way that men do. And you're right, women don't struggle with it in the same way that men do. I, I talked a few weeks ago about how um, I personally don't know how women ever want to marry men. I really don't. Because we are ugly. We are really, we have hair on our face. We, are, we smell bad. We have uh, body odor when we come out of the shower. We are disgusting creatures. And yet somehow, y'all still marry us. I have no idea how that works out. No idea whatsoever, but somehow God works it out. So, we, we know that women don't look at men, like men can look at a, a beautiful woman and go, wow, she's beautiful. Okay, I know there are a few pretty boys out there on television. Um, I guess the guy in Twilight that everyone's like, ooh, so hot, whatever. Uh, but there are guys, they're the pretty boys out there, ones that none of y'all could ever even entertain the idea of getting. Uh, but, 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 that's not a slight, I'm just saying, y'all aren't wealthy Hollywood people. I'm just saying. I don't want to underestimate the people in this room, I'm just saying. Okay, if y'all were rich, then you'd have a chance. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's not a looks thing, it's a money thing. 
that's the bottom line. You know it's true. Uh, but many think that, 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 that women don't lust. Well, a woman's lust is different than a man's lust. Um, I, I say it this way. I say, uh, guys want to look. Okay? Girls want to be looked at. Okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, that's not me. I don't want guys gawking at me. I don't want guys looking at me. What are you talking about, Dave? Okay, I'm, I'm going to explain this. Just, just bear with me. Uh, but as you, as you grow older as a woman, you're gonna, you, you want to be desired. You want guys to be attracted to you. Okay? And, and so girls want to be looked at. Guys want to look. Girls want to be looked at. Guys desire. Girls want to be desired. I want to read some things to you that I read this past week that were alarming to me. Uh, now, as I read these things, some of the statements are pretty um, uh, interesting in that they may not really reflect your life and your immediate friends, but these statements do reflect our culture as a whole. And so I want you to get a picture of where we are as a culture, with, with our young ladies especially. Uh, 80% of Americans are sexually active before they get out of the teen years. And if you are mathematically challenged, that's 8 in 10. Okay? Just in case. 80%. Um, the U.S. teen pregnancy rate is eight pregnancies per, per 100 people, the highest rate in the world. Here we are, the most advanced nation technologically, and yet we have the highest teen pregnancy rate in the world today. In the last 15 years, implant surgeries in the U.S. went from over 32,000 per year to 264,000 per year. That's just annually. Implants in the number of females 18 and younger have increased 400% since 2002. So in the last seven years, if, you, if you've heard about stories of, of girls in California or other parts of the nation um, basically getting implants for their 16th birthday, this kind of stuff happens. It's crazy, but it happens. The question that we have to ask, though, when we look at this, is what what would cause a girl to want to surgically change her body at the age of 16? What what kind of junk has to be happening inside of her soul to want to change her body on the outside at the age of 16? The next quote I think is really interesting. It says, Girls' social hierarchy increasingly traps girls in a cycle of craving boys' validation, pleasing boys to obtain that validation, and betraying the, the friends who truly support them. Anyone ever known someone, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand, who has basically traded in all of her friends or girls for her boyfriend? She, she has no friends anymore because she traded them in for her boyfriend. She traded in the friends that really support her, the friends that really love her, the friends that really care for her. She traded all those friendships in for the attention of a guy that might or might not last. You know, I, I think you see this pattern. Uh, um, there's no question that men want the approval of other men. Most men want to be sort of a man's man. Like, I want to, I want to have... 
ten guys that think I'm like the king of the hill, right? I want to have ten friends that think that I am stronger, I'm more manly, I'm more this, I'm more that. That's how guys tend to operate. You would think, on the other hand, you would think that women want to have the approval of other women. But what's weird about society is that's not really the case. Most women still want the approval of, of the men. I'm not being chauvinist here. I'm just saying that's just what these quotes are showing. That, that most women still want the approval of the guys. And the guys want the approval of the guys. This is why uh, when I was in high school, there was always that group of guy friends. Um, and there was that one girl that was kind of with the guys. And uh, it was kind of a weird deal because none of us... I mean, she, I had a really good friend that was, that was like this. She was a great girl, but she just... There was nothing physical going on. There was nothing like... You know, none of us were dating her. It was just she was a part of the guy's group. And she wasn't a tomboy. She was still very feminine. Okay? That, that rarely happens with the guys. You rarely see a group of girls and there's like one guy. Okay? That rarely happens. Okay? It rarely happens. And so, so often, girls want the approval of, of the guys and the guys want the approval of the guys. Here's another, some other quotes that are, I think, pretty alarming. These are quotes by students your age. This is what one girl says. To dress the skankiest... It's a bad word, man. Horrible word. I know that sounds terrible, but that would be the one way we all compete. Since seventh grade, the skankier, the better. I wasn't particularly sexual then, but I wanted guys to want me, to want to hook up with me, I guess, even though I didn't want to hook up with them. I always wanted all the guys to think I was the hottest one. I don't know if you caught this in that statement, but here's what she was saying. I didn't really want to hook up with the guys, but I wanted them to want to hook up with me. I read a lot of quotes this past week on this topic, and the one thing that rang true for the girls was this. They didn't necessarily want to get physical with guys, but they wanted the guy to at least desire them in that way. If you can say it this way, guys tend to use the physical relationship or, or let me rephrase this guys tend to use love or what looks like love to get the physical stuff girls tend to use the physical stuff to get love it's typically reversed for each one of the sexes here's another quote it's an ego thing we talk about it like at lunch on the patio you know it's a girl because he says the word like in this quote. We talk about it like at lunch on the patio. People think it's cool. It's competitive. Who can hook up with the most guys and who can have sex? Another quote. For me it's all attached to guys. Like I have this weird link between certain guys and my own self-worth. It's like the skinnier I can be the more they'll like me. There's this one guy Oh my gosh. There's this one guy. He never gives me... Sorry. He never gives me what I want. He never shows me that he really likes me. Or he does, but in small amounts. So I always feel like if I can wear something that he likes, or if I can be really thin, or if I can do certain things to my physical appearance, he'll like me more. 
That was the correct use of the word like, by the way. That last one. Next quote. I remember one time I was at my friend's house and I was looking at a woman's magazine. I got in a really, really terrible mood. And I wouldn't talk because I thought Heidi Klum was just so pretty. And I was like, mad. I get really upset when guys find girls really attractive because I want that attention. So, here's your first question at your tables. We're going to try to crank these out real quick. Girls want to be desired. Is that desire sinful? Why or why not? Go ahead and discuss for a few moments at your at your tables. Okay, somebody somebody help me out here. Is it is it a sin that girls want to be desired? Is it a sin? Not in itself. Okay. Why or why not? Because they're women. That didn't make any sense. But anyway. Yes. Okay, so God, God gave you, God gave you these desires. God gave you these desires. Yes, I would agree with that. The desire itself is not sinful. The desire, the desire to be desired is not sinful in itself. Just like when we talked about the guys, we said the guys are visually wired. But I also said that it's not a sin just to be visually wired. God created guys that way. That is how dates happen. Because the guy notices the girl first, and he's initially physically attracted to her. If that attraction wasn't there, dates would never happen, marriage would never happen, we would have human extinction. Okay? So, God's designed these things for a particular reason. He has also designed the woman to be, to want to be desired. He, he has designed her to respond to the initiation of the man in that way. So it's not, the desire itself is not sinful. But just like anything else that is good, you see the nature of sin is this. The nature of sin is that Satan takes things that are actually good and he twists them to be perverted and evil. It's not like you have good over here and evil over here. Satan so often takes things that are actually good and he twists those good things and perverts them and he twists them. That's, that's why the visual wiring of a guy, it's, it can become lust, it can become a sinful thing. That's why the, the, the desire that girls have to be desired can become a very lustful, sinful thing. But by itself, it is not necessarily sinful just to have that sort of godly desire. God designed you that way. So, we're going to look quickly at Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Here's what this verse says. It says, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, we did have a couple questions I wanted to have you discuss, but for the sake of time, we'll go ahead and kind of run through this. Uh, 
the questions that I had asked that I wanted you to answer at your tables were these. What is charm, and how can charm be deceitful in a relationship? And then secondly, what does the word vain mean, and how is beauty vain? How is beauty vain? Okay, so, so here's what this verse is saying. Here's what this verse is saying. This verse is saying that we are all getting uglier. We are all getting uglier. It's saying that beauty does not last. This includes the guys. The guys, you were never beautiful to begin with. But what you currently have is getting uglier as well. Okay? So this verse is saying we are all getting uglier. Um, you you kind of reach your peak, maybe like your mid-20s or so, and then it's just downhill from there. Okay? It's downhill from there. Uh, it's something you have to face. We don't have to face it. Uh, the word charm. The word charm. <clears throat> this is interesting because the word charm means to do something in order to get a response. So you might, the modern day word might be flirting. Okay? To do something in order to get a response from someone. So you might call this flirting. Now, the question becomes, how is charm deceitful in a relationship? Well, it can be deceitful in a number of ways. Because if, if the girl is putting out this flirtatious vibes to the guys all the time, she's really, when you're flirting, you're really putting out an image of not really who you are, right? You're putting your best foot forward. And, and so the guy responds to that. He, instead of him being the man and initiating possibly a relationship, the girl's always kind of flirting with guys and putting out the vibe and, and trying to be charming and being this great personality so that a guy will, will, will want to go out with her. And then what happens is the guy gets sort of sucked into that and he, he starts to date her and who she really is isn't who he realizes her to be. She put this, this, this false foot forward, this false image forward in front of him. And she was just charming and it was deceitful in the context of that relationship. Next question is, how is beauty vain? The word vain, we see it all throughout Ecclesiastes. The word vain, is, is, it means meaningless. It basically means um, like a vapor. Here one moment, gone the next. If you can think of it like this... Uh, I've been lighting a lot of matches lately because I have to light fires. It's Christmas time. And so I was thinking about how... Um, I'll try to hold this mic here while I do this. Maybe kind of hard, but I'll try. I'll burn my eyebrows off. Here we go. This looks safe. <laughs> Hope microphones aren't flammable. You hold the mic. Okay, thank you. You, you want to light? No, you're a pyro. Just hold, hold, the, hold the mic. All, all middle-born children are pyros, and you're a middle-born child. All right. Yeah, I'm very talented. These things are useless. What's that? Are you serious? Here, you do it. Oh, not easy as you thought. Oh, there we go. All right, just let that burn a little bit. Just let it burn. Let it burn. 
All right. Let's see how long it can go here. Do you smoke? That was really talented. I, I don't know how you pull that off. See, it's already gone. Okay, there we go. Ow. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. Okay, so you see, when a match is lit, of course, it, it sort of flares up. Then it sort of quickly fades. Then all you're left with is kind of vapor. You're left with just smoke. And if you try to actually sort of grab at the smoke, I'm not going to drink this, I promise. Uh, if you try to grab at the vapor, you, vapor is not substance. You can't grab at vapor. It's just, it sort of goes away. That's the exact point of this verse is that, that beauty is, is fleeting. It's, it's, it's like a vapor. It's like a mist. It just kind of, you have it for a time. You have it for a time in your life. And then it's just sort of gone. It just sort of disappears. This is why you rarely hear the words grandma and hot in the same sentence. Okay? I'm just going to say. I'm sorry. But you'll never hear those words together. Okay? Because everyone, it, it's fleeting. It's, it's like a vapor. It's like a mist. Okay? Beauty is, is, is vain. Okay? It's vain. So, the question that you have to wrestle with, if I can make you concentrate now, uh, is this. How, how do you know if your desire for attention crosses the line into sin? How do you know? Um, here's some, some clues. Okay? When your happiness depends on it, when your happiness depends on this attention from guys, you have now crossed over the line into sin. When you do anything to get it, when you will do anything, you'll compromise your values, you will bait people that aren't Christians, you will um, wear certain kinds of clothing to get that attention. If that is you, then you are crossing the line over into lustful sin. Thirdly, when you seek the attention of guys rather than wait patiently for the guy, when you seek the attention of just guys in general, like any guy, any guy, whatever, doesn't matter, just a bunch of guys, you just want attention from crowds of guys, and you'll do anything to get that attention. That's when it crosses the line over into sin. The third woman that we're going to look at as we sort of wrap up here is the insecure woman. The insecure woman. Now, when I was in high school, there was this girl that I knew and she was really annoying in this regard. She was really insecure. And so what she would do is she would be in a crowd of people, guys and girls together, and she would um, say things like, like she'd walk out and her first thing out of her mouth would be like, oh, these pants make me look so fat. We are all now being held hostage by this woman. We have to either say nothing, which she'll be like, aren't you going to tell me that I don't look fat? Or we can say, oh no, you don't, you're beautiful. You are so beautiful. <laughs> From the bottom of my heart, you are just a beautiful person. And lie. Or it just creates these really weird situations. So the insecure woman um, also says things like, with her friends, I hate this picture of me. I hate this picture of me. 
Everyone, I hate this picture of me. Everyone, see? This picture of me, I hate it. You're supposed to tell me now that it's a great picture. It's a great picture. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, Facebook. We're going to talk about Facebook. Uh, This woman uses Facebook to get attention. And, man, I like Facebook for certain reasons, but I also hate Facebook. Because Facebook brings out the weirdos. Facebook brings out all the crazies. Don't you agree? Like, I probably had a list of like five people that I knew that I'd be like, in my entire life, yeah, they're kind of weird. Do this five people over here. But Facebook now has given me like a hundred that I now see as weird, okay, because of Facebook. Um, I actually Googled this past week uh, annoying Facebook statuses. I just Googled that. And they listed different kinds of status updates that people really annoying people. And one of them was called the Miss Attention Seeking Drama Queen. And uh, here's what it said. I thought this was really hilarious. Uh, I'll drink some water. Oh, wait, I can't because there's a match in there. Oh, whatever. Tastes kind of ashy. There's probably some protein in that match. Um, the attention sink drama queen. This updater needs to make sure people are worried or concerned about her at all times. So she updates her Facebook status with things that beg people to respond with, what happened? Or, are you alright? And instead of having a real problem, she baits you into responding. Next slide. The problem with this annoying updater is that after she cries wolf with a few of these fake problems, she could update her Facebook with, quote, I'm in the process of getting stabbed in the face. Someone please help me. And you will either A, not believe her, or B, be the one doing the stabbing. Okay? That is excellent right there. That is excellent. Uh, Now, I actually debated about this, but um, I decided to use... I saw a real Facebook status update recently. Here's what the status update was. It said, I hate everyone. I just want to crawl in bed and die. Okay? Real Facebook status update. Now, let me just tell you that this is not healthy. Okay? This is not healthy. Um, You see, Facebook has tricked people, Facebook has tricked people into thinking that unhealthy behavior is normal and healthy. Okay? So everyone does this kind of stuff, so it's just normal and healthy. Let me just give you an example of what having that kind of Facebook status out there for everyone to see. This is the the equivalent, okay? Facebook, as you know, is like a virtual online room. Um, so if you have 400 friends, all your friends can see your public information, your status updates, and all that kind of stuff. And so you could liken it to like a big room where all your friends are hanging out online. So let's just pretend like you came to a party with 400 of your closest friends, and you walk into the room, okay? And at the front door, you go like this. You go, I hate everybody. I just want to crawl in bed and die. Who wants to help me? 
Who wants to come to my aid? Okay? If someone did that in real life, we would say, Psycho! Crazy! She's crazy. Stay away from her. But somehow on Facebook, that's okay? You can do that and it's okay? I mean, come on. Like, seriously. All right? And so what will happen is a couple of people will come to you and they'll go, Oh, are you okay? Are you all right? And then everyone else goes, Psycho! Crazy! She's crazy. Okay? And so what I'm... What I'm trying to tell you is this is not healthy. Facebook has turned a lot of normal people crazy and weird. All right. Um, now, a healthy person, a healthy person, if they've had a bad day, they walk into that same room with 400 people, and they walk over to their good friend and they say, "Hey, you know what? I've had a really rotten day. Can you be, can you pray for me?" Like like certain conversations are meant to be private, right? When you broadcast things like this, it it just shows your insecurity. You're just waiting for someone to, like, come to your aid. It's just weird. It's just really weird. And and so for this girl, she's insecure. Everyone feels manipulated by her. People avoid her. And at the root of this woman's problem is um, a wrong view of herself and a wrong view of God. Okay? Psalm 139, uh, verse 14 says this. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You see, this girl, she has a belief. And the belief is this. When God made me, he made a mistake. This girl believes. She really believes this. I know the guys kind of laugh at that. But really, at her heart, she believes when God made me, he didn't do it right. He made a mistake. And so the words fearfully and wonderfully made, what that means is that this girl has a, sees herself with, with high honor and high dignity being made in God's image. She, she recognizes that she's fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderfully put together, no matter what she looks like. She knows that in her soul that that's exactly how God wanted her to be. You see, the the lustful woman, she worships herself as God, and she wants other people to bow down to her as God as well. But the insecure girl has the opposite problem. She goes to the other extreme. You you see, she, she fails to see that she has been created with high honor, high dignity, high status as as a child of God. She 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 neglects to see that truth. And I'm, I'm amazed at the, at the last part of this passage. It says, my soul knows it very well. What does it mean to know something in your soul? Your soul is your inmost being. It's a place of thought, feeling, desire. And so to know something in this way means that you don't just talk about it. You don't just act like you know what it's about. But it affects your thoughts, your feelings, your attitudes, your desires. It, it sort of emanates from your, your very being. That you know this about yourself. You know that God created you just the way you were meant to be. Ladies, listen to me. Ladies. When you know this truth, when you know that God did not make a mistake when he made you, when you know that you are made fearfully and wonderfully in his image with high status and high honor as a woman of God, when you know that, look at what this verse says it leads to. I praise you. I praise you. It leads to worship. It leads to worship. There are girls in this room right now 
you haven't, your heart really hasn't worshipped God in a long time. Because you don't like yourself. You don't, you don't think God did a good job when He made you. You don't respect yourself. Other people don't respect you because you don't respect yourself. And you don't worship God because you think He made a mistake. When you recognize this truth, it leads to worship. It leads to worship. So the insecure woman often struggles with depression, with, with cutting, with eating disorders. And the reality is, Jesus Christ wants to set you free. Jesus Christ can set you free from that. He can set you free. The reason why we name these sins, the reason why I want to do a series on naming the sins of men, the sins of women, is because that when you, when you name your sins before God, that's when real confession and repentance can take place. When you name your sins. You've got to name them to repent from them. And so what I hope this series has done is to help the guys in this room, to help the girls in this room, to understand, here's where a guy can get in trouble. Here's where a girl can get in trouble. And I want to be the kind of person who, because of Christ's work in my life, I can be the kind of man or the kind of woman that God intended me to become. Because there is a massive shortage of godly men and godly women on this earth. I think the people in this room, you guys can change that. I think you guys can change that. I do want to cover for you quickly. Uh, I put down some questions we're going to address next week. Um, here's a sample of these questions. One, how can I feel secure when all men seem to want is outward beauty and that beauty will not last? Question one. Question two, why can't guys tell you when they like you? A bitter young woman. Next question. Why are girls so mad when we talk to other girls? That's a guy question, that's for sure. Okay, another question. Why do parents and church leaders make it seem like we are crazy for wanting to be in serious relationships considering people in the Bible got married at around 14 or 15 years old? Great question. Great question. Great question. Last question. What is the exact distance to Narnia? I have no idea who asked that question, but I will do my research, and I will get back to you on that last one. Let's pray before we're dismissed. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to go into your word and to see how it changes us, to see how it changes our hearts, changes our lives. God, I pray that anyone in this room that needs to be set free, they would come to you this morning, they would fall on their face before you, they would say, God, please forgive me of my sin. Please change me from the inside out. I pray that that would happen. God, I know that it will if they ask for it. God, we love you so much. We love these kids so much. We praise you for the work that you're doing in their lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Guys, I need your help with this meal. If everyone could please clear the tables of trash. If there's any sign-up sheets, please put them in the book in the front lobby. I also need to bring out some more tables and chairs. So if we can get about four more tables out of the closet and sort of put them around the room. We can sort of slide these tables in closer together.